Somebody will. All right. Well, all right. Can you hear me now? You hear me now. Good. The signal's good. All right. Cool. Well, it's good to see you guys. You're some beautiful people. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to continue our series called Jesus MD because Jesus is the great physician, right? The best doctor. And we've been learning about our covenant of healing. And of course, Jesus heals spiritually and emotionally and all ways. But if we were going to talk about emotional healing, we'd probably call it Jesus psychologist or something like that. But this is Jesus MD. He really is the physical healer too. Amen. And we need to build up our faith in him being the physical healer. And, you know, I uh, talked about jobs and better jobs. I talked to somebody today who got a, a promotion. Good stuff, huh? And, uh, a young man named John in our church, he just got a job, so that's pretty cool. I mean, he's 18 and on his own, and he needs a job, so he got a job, so praise God. And, and then uh, I just talked to uh, Nancy, my mother-in-law, she's awesome. The, a couple weeks ago, probably like three weeks ago now, I think Kurt prayed for you, and arthritis is gone. During the de- when we were declaring, ooh, yeah, the presence of God came on her as she was declaring the word and, uh, and her arthritis gone. Amen. That's good stuff. Praise you, Lord. Um, and so I'm sure that a number of you are being healed by the Lord and are going to be healed. Just make sure you tell us on your connect cards or just let me know or something like that. But uh, God is doing some great stuff. And this summer we've been learning about the full gospel. The gospel, the full gospel is the gospel with power. Remember that Jesus would teach and he'd preach and heal, right? Because he would teach and preach and then he would demonstrate what he was actually teaching, right? And, and teaching and preaching because he's a real king of a real kingdom, amen? And specifically, we've been focusing on healing, that he would minister healing. And the uh, last couple weeks, I've been uh, just preaching to you and reminding you and showing you in the word that it's God's will to heal us. That, that you don't need to wonder, oh, maybe he'll heal me if, if or maybe or, or could he. We all, and, and the thing is, is not, most of us don't struggle with if he's able to, do we? We struggle with whether or not he's willing, right? And so we've been looking at the fact that he's absolutely willing. And we've said, well, how do you know that, Dave? We looked at the word of God. Number one, it's because of who he is. He's not the great I was, right? He's the great I am. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the healer. It's his name. We've also seen that he promised it, that he literally has made a covenant promise with us uh, and, 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 and promise after promise after promises, and it's in our covenant, in our inheritance with the Lord that he's made promises to us for physical healing. And then lastly, that not only did he promise it to us, but he paid for it with his own blood, that he was pierced for our rebellion and, our, and so we could have forgiveness of sins, but that he was scourged for our healing. And we've seen that so many people, they want to separate these things. They want to say, oh, well, we know Jesus died for our sins. I don't know about our healing. And the thing is, is that that kind of separation, it's not in the Bible. You'll never see people in the scriptures separating those things. No, they saw Jesus coming, bringing the kingdom and bringing absolute wholeness to people. You remember that Psalm we looked at, Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, right? Don't forget his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Man, I was blown away by this. Obviously, you see it in Jesus' ministry. He'd forgive sin, then he'd heal people. I was absolutely blown away by this when I was reading a, a, a book by the, by the name, the title of the book's called Heavenly Man, The Heavenly Man. And it's a, it's a, it's a in China who, he's the leader of the, this underground church movement in China where there's probably, he's probably the pastor, or we might call him an apostle, of millions of Christians. Millions, right? That's like crazy. 
Okay, so he's the, he's this he's this awesome apostolic leader. Well, I'm reading his book. He go, he's gone through. It's a great book. You should read it. All this persecution and suffering for Jesus. He's been in prisons and God has sustained him supernaturally and all this stuff. And two times in the book, he described a very specific story of sharing the gospel with somebody. What didn't get, wasn't saved. Like one of them, one of them was a lady uh, that I don't remember the specific details. The other one I remember was a, a gentleman who was like the general in the prison where he was at. And so God had done such supernatural things through in prison and he had just shown love and kindness and served, right? Like just that kind of model of Jesus washing the feet and just serving that people were starting to get saved. Prisoners were starting to get saved, but he was changing the atmosphere of the prison, right? That's, that's cool when that happens, okay? That, that's just good right there. That's a miracle. Okay, so this general comes to him though. Oh, oh no, what happened was first the general found his Bible. Somehow something happened where somebody took his Bible and so this general's reading his Bible one week and he finally came to him. I think his name's Brother Yoon and he said, you know, uh, uh, can you explain this to me? Ask him good stuff. And so he begins to preach the gospel to this man. Now this man had uh, uh, a sickness, had pain in his body and stuff like that. And so this is the way Brother Yoon preached the gospel. I think as being his Brother Yoon, uh, he goes... If you accept Jesus as Lord, he will forgive you of your sin and you'll be healed. I mean, this is the way the guy preached the gospel. He talks about it throughout his book. And I'm reading this. I mean, I'm reading this years ago and I'm like, whoa, can you say that? Can you say that? You know, because I, I, I haven't always understood this. I haven't always understood my covenant or the full gospel. It gets so robbed from the people of God in our culture. And you go, you know what happened? The guy accepted Jesus as Lord. He was saved and healed. I mean, it happened like every time this guy preached the gospel, like if you accept Jesus, Lord, you'll be saved, you'll be healed. And people will be like, okay. Right? And isn't that what happened in the gospels? Isn't that what happened when Peter preached the gospel? Isn't that what happened when Paul preached the gospel? Isn't that what happened when Jesus preached the gospel? And that's what happens when we preach the gospel. We don't separate it. Why? Because we're saying receive Jesus. And when you receive Jesus, you receive all of his kingdom and all of his promises. Amen? And today I want to talk to you about, I want to, I want to move from this truth that it's his will to heal you you don't ever have to doubt it you don't ever have to try to convince him you don't have to beg he wants to do it. what we need to do is position ourselves to receive and so i want to begin to talk to you in the next couple of weeks really about how to receive the healing that he has for us how to position ourselves in faith to receive it and so today i just want to build up your faith and i want to teach you some things about faith and i want to talk to you about the power of god's word the power of god's word And so look with me in Matthew chapter 8, and we'll see Jesus, and we're going to look at how Jesus healed, amen? That's what we want to do, right? How did Jesus do it? Let's just do it like that, okay? And and so we see here in verse 5, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, it says this, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Right? So this... uh, This man who's a centurion, he's a Roman official. I mean, he's rich, he's Gentile, he's not Jewish. And he is, he's he's powerful, uh, a man of authority, a man of high position in the Roman Empire. And he's coming to Jesus. He obviously cared very much about his servant. Oftentimes they'd adopt servants and and really care for them, almost like sons. And so he's, he's really concerned about this servant who's paralyzed and in torment, right? Can't move and he's in a lot of pain. He's begging Jesus to come. And listen to what Jesus says, verse seven. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. I love that about Jesus. Oh, no, I'll come, right? 
Remember I told you about Smith Wigglesworth? He'd drive eight hours, you know, to go and pray for one person to be healed. I mean, this guy was so convinced that it was God's will and so full of compassion and boldness. And so here's Jesus. Oh, I'll go. I'll go with you. And then this man says to Jesus in verse 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. The reason why he said this is probably because he knew that he's not Jewish. He didn't feel that, you know, he's not, he's not part of the covenant people of God. He says, well, I'm not you would come under my roof. But here's what he says here. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Only speak a word, Jesus. Just, just say it and my servant will be healed. I'm not worried that you would even come with me. I'm not worried that you would come under my roof. Just say it. Just say it and my servant will be healed, right? I mean, there's a confidence here. Do you really, he's preaching to Jesus. Do you see that? I never noticed that before. He's preaching to Jesus. Jesus, no, no, no. No, you just say it and he'll be healed. I mean, <laughs> I was like, whoa. Like, I mean, like Monica was preaching to me, right? You know, I was a little tired today and I was like, okay, Monica, next time, next time. We're all praying, same time, right? That's what I usually tell people. I usually say, we all pray at the same time. We don't pray to each other, we pray to Jesus. So, but that's funny, I, I received that correction, you know? And uh, so Jesus, but he wasn't correcting Jesus, but he was preaching to Jesus. And in verse nine, he explains, he keeps preaching to Jesus. For I also am a man under authority. I'm a man under authority. Having soldiers under me, right? So he is a centurion, but he has people who are above him. Right? He's um, under the emperor's authority and stuff. So if somebody says, your position is now going to be over in this state or this nation, I mean, you're over here, go, right? Oh, you're going to go fight that battle? Go. You're going to live here? Live there, right? Anyone who's ever been in the military, you know how that is. There's a, there's a, th- a strong authority structure and someone says, do it, you do it, right? You jump and then say how high, right? Right? You just do what you were told. There's an authority there. He says, I understand what it means to be under authority. Somebody sells me to do it, I do it. And he says, and I know what it means to have authority. Right? I've been given a position of authority. And so when I tell somebody to do something, they do it. Right? He says it right here. He says, I say to this one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. Do this. And he does it. Right? In verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled. And it takes a lot to get Jesus to marvel. This is only one of a few times where Jesus actually marveled and called this man's faith great faith. He doesn't say it very often. He's, he, he marvels. He says, surely I say to you. He t- turns and talks to his disciples. I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel, meaning not even, even in the covenant people of God, the people who have the, the Bible, who should know how this stuff works and how the kingdom of God and my covenant promise work. They don't even get this. What is he saying? He goes, man, this guy gets it. This guy gets it. He understands something that other people don't understand, that my own people who have my promises don't even understand. See, so many of the church, we don't understand our covenant. We don't understand how the kingdom operates. And so we're so limited in the power of God and we're so deficient in receiving what God has for us. But no more, amen? Not here in this church because the word of God has power. Listen to what Jesus says. Man, he says, man, you get it. He says, you see this guy, this guy has great faith. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way. And as you have believed, let it be done for you. See the word? He just spoke the word. Jesus says, man, you got some great faith. Just go. 
And as you believed, it will be done for you. What does the man do? And his servant was healed that very hour. Jesus doesn't even lay hands on him. Now, oftentimes you see Jesus laying hands on people and speaking a word. Right? He'll lay hands. And what part of that is that when we lay hands on someone, we transfer something of the kingdom to another person. We're told to lay hands on people when they go into ministry. Uh, we're told to lay hands on people for healing and things like that. And so laying out of hands, very good stuff, very important to do. But you realize from this passage and other places in Scripture, we don't have to. You don't need to lay your hands on someone to get them healed. Why? Because he already promised it. He already paid for it. Because the word has gone forth from his mouth. And his word has the power to do what he said it would do. See, this man understood authority. If I tell you, go. If I tell my servant, go, my servant goes. If I say, come, comes. He understands. When I say something and I tell somebody to do it, they'll do it. And what was, he tell, what was he telling Jesus? Jesus, I understand something. that You're the king of a real kingdom. You have authority. And whatever you say, it will happen. It will happen. And so just say the word and it will happen. It will happen just as you say it will happen. Just say it. He doesn't even go and lay hands on him. The guy could be miles away. And yet Jesus says, yep, it'll be done. And the word of God, the, the word coming out of Jesus' mouth, goes forth and healed his servant. Just like that. Because Jesus' word, God's word, has the power to do what God says it will do. Does it make sense? God's word has the power to do what God said it would do. The power the power to heal, the power to fulfill the promise of God is not in you. It's not in your goodness. It's not in how well you pray. It's not in your abilities. It's in his word. It's, it's all by his grace. It's because he's already promised it. He promised it because he wants to do it. And he's already paid for it by his own blood and made sure that his word can do what he said he would, what it would do. Look with me in Isaiah 55. Just jump back to Isaiah 55. And if you don't know where that is, we'll throw it up here on the screen. But listen to what God says in Isaiah 55 and verse 10. Isaiah 55 verse 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, prosper in the thing for which I sent it. What is God saying? God's saying, you guys know how rain works, right? Rain and snow, it comes down, it lands on the ground, and it causes things to grow. It comes down, gets into the earth, causes things to grow. You know, even, even if you don't want it to grow. <laughs> like weeds, you know, rains... I got weeds. Okay, but it rains, it causes things to grow. And God says, just like rain comes down and it causes things to grow, so when I say something, it goes forth from my mouth and it will not return to me void. It will not be, it will not fail. It will not fall short. God's not gonna be like, oh, shoot, that didn't work. Right? Oh, shoot, I'm gonna have to go find a counselor or a mechanic or something, you know? 
No, I mean, this is the God who created the universe. See, I don't know if this man, this centurion in Matthew 8, I don't know if he knew about the Bible. I don't know. We don't really know. He probably did. He probably knew uh, some Jewish people. And so he probably knew something about the Bible. We don't know if he knew Isaiah 55. We don't know if he knew much about the Bible. But let me tell you something. He got it. And all you have to do is open up to Genesis chapter 1 and you can know exactly how the kingdom of God works. God said, light be. And it was. He literally spoke the world into existence. Everything that is created, everything you can see, was created from things that were unseen. Words. That's how God does stuff. The Bible says in Romans 4, he calls things that are not as though they are. There was no light. Light. B. And what happened? It obeyed him. This is exactly what Isaiah 55 is saying. When I say something, it will happen. My word has the power to do what I tell it to do. It's almost as if in Isaiah 55, God is describing his word like a servant who obeys him. Why? Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. Words are like, they're like things. And literally here, I love the way he says it. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish. Literally, do or make what I want it to make. He calls things or not as though they are. Literally, when I say something, it'll make what I want it to make. So if there was no light, he said, light be. Trees be. Right? Cows. <laughs> be. <laughs> Carne asada. I was at a birthday party yesterday, fasting meat. They had carne asada, chicken asada, my favorite food. <laughs> but you're better, Jesus. <laughs> so I'm fasting that. But um, pretty soon, pretty soon I'm going to eat some, eat some tacos. In fact, our free picnic, we're going to have taco truck coming in. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought tacos, hamburgers, ta- tacos. You just can't. Once you say, if you say tacos and then you say hamburgers, hamburgers just sound so dull after you say tacos. So that's just how I feel. But anyway, so, uh, but it shall accomplish what I please. It will do what I tell it to do. My word will make what I tell it to make and it shall prosper. It will succeed. Won't fail. It will succeed in the thing for which I sent it. See, it's like a servant. Now go. You go do this and it will do it. And so, literally, isn't this what Jesus did in his ministry? Wasn't there a storm that came up? And Jesus said, be still. And it obeyed him, didn't it? The word went out of his mouth and had the power and authority to do what he said. I mean, I've seen this, I've seen this Jesus, there's a Jesus movie out there. I love Jesus movies, and this one's a great one, by the way. I love it. But I never realized that they don't read their Bible. There's this scene where Jesus is standing in the boat and the waves are coming and they're like, Jesus, save us. And he goes. And it calms down. No words. And you don't want to know why? It's kind of, although it blessed them, they've made a great movie and everything. And, 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 and that movie's blessed a lot of people. I just, I just pointing out this one thing. The rest of it's great and, People are coming to Jesus. They don't get the kingdom. They're viewing Jesus like he's just this divine being, you know, walking in some, you know, like ethereal 
being. No, he's, he's the word. He's God. And he is walking in a human body. And he has told us that the way the kingdom works is you tell it stuff to do stuff. And so he's not like he's just like waves his hands or something like that, right? You don't see Jesus walk up to a demon-possessed person and go, flex at him, get out, right? What's up, right? Like stare it down. But actually in this movie, later in the movie, there's a boy who's epileptic and has a demon and Jesus stares him down in the movie. He's like, oh, give me a break. No, the Bible says with a word, he cast out demons. Why? He told them what to do. Get out. Go. With one word, he'd tell demons to go. He wasn't like, oh, like getting the oil and doing like a ch- chance and like, you know, you know, the crucifix and everything. There's no exorcism with Jesus. Is he? Get out. I mean, do you see that way when he heals people, right? Be healed. According to your faith, let it be done. Right? This is the way Jesus heals people. Right? He walks up to a girl who's dead and says, little girl, wake up. And his word has to obey him. The Bible says literally her spirit returned to her. He told her what to do. <laughs> Wake up. And it happened. This is the way the kingdom works. That the word of God has power to do what God says for it to do. <clears throat> and so, do you think that if Isaiah 53 says... By his stripes, you are healed. Do you think that that has power to do what God said it would do? By his stripes, promised and paid for. He's faithful. He cannot lie. He's not going to be like, oh, I know I paid for the car, but I don't want to give it to you anymore. No, no. No, no. That would would mean God would have to be a liar, right? No, he's integrous. He's honest. He cannot lie. But not only can he not lie. He's faithful, but he's absolutely able to do anything, right? Nothing's impossible to him. And the word, the very word, when God says it, it carries the power to do what God said it would do. And God is looking for people who would believe him. And like Jesus, say what God says. He's looking for people who would believe what he says. Because when the word goes forth from his mouth, it could land on hard soil, couldn't it? It could land on rocky soil. It could land on thorny soil. Or it could land on good soil. The word goes forth from his mouth. And God is looking for people who would believe him. Who would say, yeah. Just like you said. And when a person believes God and agrees with what God is saying... And does what Jesus did. Says it. Says it. When somebody voices the word of God, the power of God goes into operation and releases his promises into your life. See, if you would just believe what he said is true, and if you would agree with him and speak with your mouth what God said in his word, the power of God would go into operation and do what he said it would do. By his stripes, you are healed. And you say, Yes, Lord, by your stripes, I'm healed. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. You paid for it. You said, I am healed. I'm healed. I thank you, Lord. I agree with you. In the name of Jesus, I command my body, be healed. Right? You don't have to say it with that kind of attitude. I do. But. (laughs) 
Isn't this what, uh, isn't this what Jesus taught us, right? In Mark chapter 11. Let me show you in Mark chapter 11. You say, well, Jesus is the one who calmed the storm. Jesus is the one who cast out demons. Jesus is the one who healed people. Amen. And he gave us authority, didn't he? He told us, you'll lay your hands on people and they will recover. In my name, you will cast out demons. Right? He said, go. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Cleanse the lepers. Freely you receive. Freely give. He told us, I give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, which is a symbol of demons, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Right? He told us these things. In fact, his disciples, one day, Jesus is walking down, and Mark chapter 11 is the record, and he looks at a fig tree, and it doesn't have any figs, so he goes, be cursed, <laughs> right? He's kind of mad. He wants some figs, I guess. And, right? and so a, couple, you know, a little bit later, Jesus and the disciples are walking back by that fig tree, and they go, Jesus, that fig tree you curse is dead. And Jesus is like, really? It worked? Man, no, this is what he says in Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11, verse 22, all he do, he doesn't even look, he just goes, have faith in God, that's what he says, have faith in God, what, what is he saying, dude, you guys, you guys, I've been teaching you about this forever, come on, don't you remember the girl I raised up, don't you remember the demons I cast out, don't you remember the storm, don't you remember, I, this is what I do, I believe God, and I tell things to line up on earth as it is in heaven. If it's not a part of God's kingdom, it's not allowed to be there. And somebody says, well, then why does God allow it to happen? Why does God allow there to be sin and disease in this world? Uh, that would be because there's human beings on this world who are rebelling against him and who have allowed demons to come in. Right? God's not the one who break, broke the car. What, so the teenager steals the car keys, wrecks the car, and goes, Dad, I can't believe you let the key, left the keys there. So many Christians are full of a spirit of offense. God didn't break the car. Jesus has come to heal. He's the redeemer. And he's come to show us how this stuff works. It's the devil kills, steals, and destroys. Man, it's amazing how the devil has gotten Christians to... Well, I guess I'm just, God is just trying to teach me something. Man, that's got to be one of the best tricks in the, of the devil, right? Mess with a Christian and then make him think it's God. There you go. That's a good way to get people to not like God. Create a lot of offense in their heart towards God and shut down the power. We're attributing, we're attributing the devil's work to God. And then, and then somebody gets healed and people go, oh, it's a deceptive sign and wonder. It's like, my goodness, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so Jesus, this is what he did. He healed. He cast out demons. He's walking down the street and they go, how did that happen? And he goes, have faith in God. What is he saying? What I, I've been, I, it's not just me doing this. I'm trying to teach you guys to do this. You minister to the things of God. You see God's kingdom come through faith. And he's trying to teach us what faith is. You know, we have to be like, we don't have to go, oh, I don't have any faith. No, we just go, oh, I don't even know, I don't even know how to believe you. So what, Jesus, what do you mean? How do I have faith in you? And he tells him right there, have faith in God. Verse 23, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that the things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about fig trees? Sure. Is he talking about mountains? Sure. But is he talking about demons? Is he talking about 
diseases? Is he talking about anything on earth that is against the kingdom of God, that is oppressing people? And he's telling us, you tell that thing to go. Why is that? Because even though Jesus has defeated every demon and he's paid for the promises, somebody has to enforce the authority of God on earth. Somebody has to enforce the new law called the gospel on earth. You know, you hear people saying, well, just whatever happens, it must be the will of God. No, 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 no. Whatever happens is the devil coming to kill, steal, and destroy. The devil's a jerk. He's a liar. He robs. He's a bully. Somebody needs to take the new law, the gospel, right? He told us, in my name, right? In my name, you'll cast out demons. In my name. What's that? Words. In my name. Words. What does he say right here? So if you believe in your heart, if you believe in your heart without doubting, that's mustard seed faith, just believe without doubting, that what you say will happen, no, right? Believe in your heart. You've got to believe the promise of God, but you've got to speak it out. And he says, when you tell that mountain to move and you believe that what you say will happen, it will be done. Now, we're not talking like Rolls Royce, come forth. You know what I'm saying? No, we're talking about the will of God here. We're talking about his promises, not maybe, well, maybe, maybe he wants to give you one, but I don't know. We're talking about receiving the kingdom and giving the kingdom away to others, that there will be freedom and wholeness and blessing in people's lives. Amen? We're not talking about selfishness or trying to manipulate God. He's trying to tell us how the kingdom works, that my word has the power to do what I say it will do. And I'm looking for someone who would believe me and just speak it out. We've got to say what God is saying. Amen? Oh, man, I love, I love this. Listen to this. I got to read this because Amy Simple McPherson is amazing. So Amy Simple McPherson is this, uh, back in the 1920s, an amazing evangelist, apostolic leader, and she is the, uh, actually the founder of the first Foursquare Church in L.A., and we happen to be a part of that movement, right? So Foursquare. And you know what Foursquare is, by the way, just real quick, those of you who are like, what's Foursquare? It just means we preach the full gospel. That's all Foursquare means. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the baptizer of the Spirit. And Jesus is the soon and coming King. The word four square back in those days meant balanced, whole. And back in those days, they used to use the word full gospel. That's all it means. We preach Jesus. <laughs> if you're ever like, full gospel, that's kind of weird. Like if somebody ever like, I go to a four square church, what's that? Well, I just, I just tell people, well, you know, it just means we, we really, we believe and we want all the fullness of God in our life. And for our community. We just believe in all the kingdom of God, all the fullness of what God has, all the fullness of the spirit or something like that. I'll say things like that. I don't, even, I don't even have to go into detail. Anyway, so this is Amy. This is one of her revival meetings. She was a great evangelist, led tons of people to Jesus, moved into healing and stuff. She goes, I remember vividly one meeting that was held in a large wooden tabernacle in Florida, Tampa, Florida. One man took a special exception to the thought that prayer of faith still saves the sick. One Sunday afternoon, when the meeting was at its height, this brother started an opposition meeting just on the other side of the fence that enclosed the ground, setting forth his theory that miracles were only for Bible days and that all supernatural power had ceased with the writing of the last chapter of the Bible. Meanwhile, I was preparing for the night service. Having decided that the kerosene and gasoline lamps in use were not bright enough, I had brought with me a calcium carbide lighting outfit. Right Back in the day is what they used, right? She was doing these tent meetings all over the place. There evidently was a defect in the apparatus for suddenly, while I was making some adjustments, the thing blew up in my face. Searing flames enveloped me. 
My face was black. My eyebrows and eyelashes were gone, as well as my hair that was exposed. Fortunately, I had a tight-fitting hat. The pain was violent. Some of the ladies came with soda and applied it to my blisters. Up and down, up and down, I walked outside under the trees. And all this time, the crowds were gathering in the tabernacle. So the, the revival meeting is about to start. And the healing revivalist has her face totally in pain with blisters. And so she's walking up and down, up and down. One thought above all others predominated. What will that brother say who told the people that the Lord no longer answers prayer on the, on the behalf of the afflicted? It was now only five minutes before the meeting. I want to tell you, she's concerned about God's reputation. I mean, not that, you know, God, God will take care of himself, right? But she's concerned. No, God, I want you to be glorified. I don't want, and, and she's concerned that people will be robbed of their inheritance by false doctrines. False doctrines just drain people's faith right out, right? So she's concerned about that. I, was, I still walked up and down, scarcely able to endure the agony. I was now 10 minutes after the meeting, and I had a never late to service record. And so she, she now she's, she's feeling late. They probably, uh, things are waning. You know, nobody's doing anything yet. Sure enough, my worst fears are realized. The man in question got to his feet and began to make a speech in her revival meeting, assuring the people there would be no meeting tonight as the lady who preached the salvation and divine healing was ill, having burned her face. The gist of what he said reached my ears and I was shaken with righteous indignation. Rushing to a pan of water, I washed off the soda with my stiffly starched collar besmattered with water, my eyebrows and eyelashes gone, and my hair singed. It might have been a rather wild figure that presented itself at the tabernacle door. But praying for strength, I mounted the platform. I gave out the first hymn, which means she just said, let's sing this hymn, right? My lips so stiff with the burn that I could scarcely articulate. She was a great singer and would often lead in the chorus. She could barely uh, articulate. At the end of, of the first verse, I lifted up one of my hands and in faith exclaimed, I praise the Lord that heals me and takes all my pain away. She just declares that to everyone, in, in front of everyone, with her face like it, the way she is. The moment she said it, a great shout went up from the camp. My intense suffering was relieved instantly. And right before the eyes of the audience, the red burn faded from my face, the white blisters disappeared, and at the end of the service, the flesh had resumed its natural appearance. That's somebody who believes God, yeah? That's called boasting about your God. You know, that's what praise means, right? Praise. And the Bible says God inhabits the praise of his people. Why? Because when you boast about your God, when you say, he said, not, not focusing on my circumstances, not focusing on what other people say, but just saying, no, 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 no. God said it. God said he would do it. And he will do it. When you're that kind of person, you boast and it attracts the presence of God. It attracts him. And Amy Simple, she's somebody, she believed this. That's why she ministered it to people very effectively. They'd clear out whole hospital wings. But her own self, she stood up before the Lord. I mean, her reputation's on the line as well as just she feels these people's salvation. She doesn't want the gospel to be defamed. God is the one who heals me. I praise my God who heals me. Takes all my pain away. What is she doing? She's quoting the scriptures. She's declaring the promise of God. And God says, that's my girl. That's great faith. Just like the man in Matthew 8. And see what the Lord is saying. He's looking for someone to believe. And he's looking for someone who will say his word. He's telling you right now, only say the word. Only say the word. The Lord is telling you, boast in me. Boast about my promises. Boast about my goodness and watch what I'll do. 
Watch what I'll do. I love that Nancy, just a second ago, reminded me that it was actually when we were declaring that the presence of God came on her. That as she was out loud with her own words, declaring what God said in his word, that God said, that's my girl, and healed her. Let me tell you how powerful the word of God is. You know, one time I was up here and, or I was just worshiping, it was during a worship time, and I had a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is when God says, that's, that's what I'm going to do today. Now think about it. If God says, you know, cancer, well then it's gone. The moment I say it, it's gone. But God's looking for people who believe that. And so I a word of knowledge and understanding from the Lord that he, that people, he was going to heal people of chemicals in their body. You know, and I specifically, I think I had met somebody earlier that day who had gout, and there is this, that pastoral, <clears throat> I don't know about you guys, but I get that, that's not okay. My people, you know, I love you guys, and I, I just, no, that's not okay. I want, I want God's people to receive their, their, their fullness. And so, uh, but I had this sense that, God said, no, I'm going to heal chemicals in people's bodies that are causing pain and stuff. So I stood up here and I gave the word of knowledge. I said, I just see chemicals in people's body. It's causing you pain, maybe in your joints, things like that. And God's, God wants to heal you. And this faith rose up in my heart. And normally I'd pray all along. You guys know. You guys know me, right? And all of a sudden, I just said, go. That's all I said. I knew I was done. I sat down. We kept worshiping. The next week, a woman of God comes to me, a woman in our church, believes the Lord. And she came to me and said, man, for weeks I've had this, my, my knee just like inflamed. Couldn't bend it, hurts, all this stuff, right? Weeks. Been to the doctor, you know. And she said, she said, that night after you, after you, you know, declared that word of knowledge, she said, that night I woken up in the middle of the night and my knee was on fire. Not literally, right? heat on my knee and she said the swelling went and gone why why I, I didn't lay hands on her right let it be unto you according to your faith the word of God went forth with power and it did what God said it would do go he said he would do it and he did it and here's a person who was able to receive it. I've seen people in our church, uh, I've seen people healed in worship. You say, well, it's the presence of God that comes. Yeah, it's because they're worshiping, they're boasting in their God. And that atmosphere of faith that we all, we all bring to. I've seen people in our church who have had pain in their bodies and they just take authority over it. A woman of God in our church, uh, level three, you know, where you're just learning about the, just God's building up your faith. She's standing there. She often has had pain, just rack her body. She's standing in the mirror one morning. And she said, I don't remember exactly what she said, but she told her to go. Get out. In the name of Jesus. And the presence of God came upon her from the top of her head, bottom of her feet. Pain, gone. 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 Why? Because she said it. She said it. She believed it. And that was, that's the importance of something like... Like OSL, where you, where you set distractions aside. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you get those distractions out of your way. And you flood your heart with the word of God. And your faith begins to rise to the level of the way God thinks. 
Just before Isaiah 55, he said, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. He doesn't want to stay that way. He wants your mind to be renewed and your faith to be lifted up to a point where you say, yep, childlike faith, he'll do what he said. And so I want to challenge you. Number one, flood your heart with the word of God. Get yourself into a place where you give yourself fully to God's word and he convinces you of his faithfulness and his power. And when he does, when you have your faith at that place, when you say, I believe that what I say, if I tell that mountain to move, it's going to move. And when you believe that, then you speak it out. Does it make sense? And you boast about your God. Isn't this what Joshua and Caleb did? Remember that? When they were supposed to, when the Israelites were supposed to go into the promised land and 10 spies told the people, oh, we can't do it. The giants are too big. And, and the two guys, Joshua and Caleb, stood up. You guys remember what they said? They said, sure, these guys are big. We got some big giants here. We got some obstacles. But listen to what he says. Caleb cried to the people, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. You know what that means? More than conquerors. More than conquerors. We can do this. Why does he talk like that? Because people who, have, who believe God, they think differently and they speak differently. Is he, is he talking about his own ability? We can do this. We're so strong. No, he's not talking about his own ability. He's boasting in his God. We are more than conquerors, right? Romans 8. Paul, Paul, didn't Paul boast like this? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God gave his only son, how much more would he give us all things? For we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. What is Paul doing in Romans 8? Boasting. Why? Because Paul said in Romans chapter 3, the gospel of grace means that we can never boast in ourselves anymore. We can't do it. I can't save myself. I can't heal myself. The, the salvation, forgiveness, eternal life, healing, it has to come from the outside. It has to be a cure from the outside. I mean, it's such a, such a new age cult nowadays look to yourself find it in within you're gonna find anything in there you know you're gonna find it in the one who made you you're gonna find it in the one who died for you right amen and so that's what paul's doing he's saying man because the gospel has come we can't boast in ourselves but we're to boast in the lord the bible says that he who boasts let him boast in the lord he who boasts let him boast in the lord you know what the bible's telling you Boast in your God. Tell God how great he is. Preach it back to God. You said, if only you say the word, I shall be healed. You tell God like that, just like that man in Matthew 8. And so, and so you see Caleb saying, we can do this. And he goes on and says, the land we pass through to spy out is an good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land flowing with milk and honey. And he says to the Israelites, only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land. Listen, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed and the Lord is with us. Do you see what he's saying? God told us he would go before us. Man, they might be big, but we're gonna eat them up like bread because God has taken away their protection and he's with us and the God who's with us is stronger than them and stronger than their gods. This is the way that people of faith talk. This is the way that people who understand the covenant and the promise of God talk. They boast about their God. It's like that song we sing, right? Our God is greater. My God's our healer. God is with us. No one can be against us, right? It's, that's the way we've got to talk. I love, you know, this is the way that David talked, right, in the Psalms? I mean, he wasn't just a guy that just walked around weeping all the time. People talk like that as if David was, of course he cried out to God. 
Bible says, he who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, right? What's that? Words. God, have mercy on me. I have nothing without you. Come through for me. But David just said, oh God, this guy's trying to kill me and I don't know if you're ever going to come through for me. Did he talk like that? No, he didn't talk like that. He said, you are the God who fulfills your purpose for my life. That's like while he's being chased by the crazy king. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of life. Do you see what he's saying? No, 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 no. This guy might be chasing me. You know that word, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That word follow means to be chased. He's, it's a play on. David's singing Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. I will not fear evil. What is he saying? This dude's trying to kill me, but God made a promise to me and I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Death is looming over me. I mean, you might be in some financial problems, but I don't think you've ever been where David was. And he's saying, no, 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 no. I'm in a cave right now. I've been, everything's been taken away from me. This guy's trying to kill me. But let me tell you, even in the valley of shadow of death, I will not fear evil. What is he doing? Is he like being prideful? No, he's boasting in his God. Because he says, I will not fear evil because God is with me. That's what he says. Rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right? He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know what he's saying? You like me. You like me. These guys are trying to hurt me, but you're on my side. He says, my cup runs over. God's going to bless me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He's saying, man, you could try to chase me, but God made a promise to me, and I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God's goodness is what's going to chase me down. This is how he talked. Look at Psalm 91 here, or I'm just going to read it to you. I love this. He says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. What's that? Words, right? I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. How come David was never killed in battle? How come David was so successful? How come David fulfilled his promise? Oh, is this because, you know, God's good? No, it's because David spoke words. You want to know why David never was killed in battle? Because he said, no, God is my refuge. And he would go to battle declaring that. How did he kill Goliath? With a stone? It wasn't with a stone. Come on, a little pebble, kill a nine foot dude, eight foot, nine foot dude. I don't think so. The guy fell forward. You don't fall forward when you die. You fall backwards. His words killed him. Goliath says, oh, who are you? Just a little boy here. Come at me with sticks. David said, I'm going to cut your head off. In the name of the Lord. What's that? Words. He prophesied it. The Bible says in Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that accuses will be cut off. What is that? It means that the enemy can come at you. Don't let whatever happen. You know, the enemy tempts you with, te with, with temptation, right? Don't let whatever happen. Well, I'm just being tempted again and just go right down into that hole of addiction again. No! I'm dead to sin and alive to God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have no power over me, sin. Jesus already paid for you. You take authority over that. Same thing with sickness. Enemy comes and tries to tempt you with pain. I didn't hear that verse in the Bible, right? And when you get older, you'll have arthritis. I don't remember that verse. Right? Do you guys remember that verse? I don't remember that verse. I heard, I'll take sickness from the midst of you and bless your bread and water. And you stand and say, no, 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 no. No, I don't receive that. That's not my covenant with God. He's made a promise to me. And you begin to declare that. You boast in your God. Listen to what David said in Psalm 91. You could read the whole thing. I'd recommend it. 
Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling, no evil shall befall you. No, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Do you see what David's doing? He's telling them, if you'll make God your refuge, if you'll say what I said, that God is my refuge, that God is my fortress, I'm telling you, no evil will befall you, no disease will come near your tent. See, I... This is the way I walk. This is the way I talk. This is the way I pray over my children. Now, oh God, I hope nothing really happens. We'll just pray traveling mercies. I mean, you know, it's all good, but it's like, just hope nothing happens. No, no harm will befall us, you know? Thank you, Lord. That's what we do. I, when we drive, we go, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. No harm will befall us. Thank you, God. That's what we do. What are we going to do? Oh, I hope we don't get hurt, you know? No. What am I saying? People who have faith, they talk differently. They think differently. We've got to boast in our God because his word has power to heal. I want to end with one more scripture here in Proverbs 4. This is what the Lord is saying to us. Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 20, my son or daughter, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. What is Proverbs 4 saying? You give yourself to my word, right? Give your, you give your attention to my word. You fill your ears. You fill your eyes. You allow my word to come into your heart and you keep it there. You keep it. How do you do that? You study, you read, you meditate the word of God. You boast the word of God. What is he saying? The word, the word, the word, the word. The word is life to those who find it and health to all their flesh. So shall my word that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It will prosper, right? It will accomplish the thing that I please. It will prosper the thing for which I sent it, right? God's word has the power to do what he said. And he said, my word, when you get my word into your life, it will bring life and health to you. Literally, the word there is medicine. It's amazing to me how many people will go to the easy, quick fix. Instead of going to the sure cure of God's promises. I mean, it's amazing. If you went to a doctor and he said, I got some medicine for you. It'll cause you, it'll cause you some side effects. But I got another one that doesn't. Wouldn't you go, okay, wait, wait, hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Can you give me the one without side effects? But what do we do? What do we do? We have a problem. We run to another person, right? In codependent relationships, we run to the lawyer, the counselor. I mean, not that those people are all bad. If Jesus is telling us to go to them, wise counsel is good. But we make other people our gods, don't we? We run to these doctors. They give us medicines with side effects, don't they? They don't know all that it's going to do to you. And I'm not saying, go off your meds today. I'm not saying you can't do that. Don't misunderstand me, right? We thank they can do, but I'm saying, if you went to the doctor and they said, yeah, I got one that has side effects and I got one that doesn't have side effects, we'd pick the one without side effects, right? Yet why do we keep picking the one with side effects? 
Because I'm telling you right now, there's a, there's a cure. His name's Jesus. There's a healer, the great doctor. And he said, my word will heal you. My word will bring health to your body. Fear's not going to heal you. Anxiety's not going to heal you, right? But his What I'm trying to say is, let's pick the one without side effects. What, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean, oh, you can't like go to the doctor ever? No, 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 no. Don't, don't even do that. It's weird. That's religious. Okay, the Bible doesn't tell us to do that. Flood your heart with the word of God. Boast about your God. Why not? Why not? It's free. No side effects. It's amazing that people will keep going to the quick fix. They'll go to the thing that doesn't really work. But God has showed us the sure way in the word of God. And it's so simple. But why don't people do it? It takes work, doesn't it? You've got to die to yourself. You've got, Jesus said, you've got to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. You've got to give Jesus all of your affections and all of your allegiance and make him the Lord of your life. And when he is Lord, David said it this way, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When someone else is your shepherd, it might be wanting. But when the Lord is your shepherd, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life and you let him lead you and you believe his word and you speak his word and you agree with him, no lack. No want. And so it's time for us, again, you can go to the doctor still, wonderful. I always tell people that. I say, uh, one time there was a lady in our church, and I said, she said she had something going on. She's going to go to the doctor. I said, awesome. Hey, before you go to the doctor, before you leave church today, just go get prayed for by the prayer teams. Next week she came back. I was healed. What did I tell her? Just seek first. Go to your master. Ask him what I should do. And when you go to the doctor and they're like, we don't know what it is. You go, thanks, because I got a better doctor. No, you don't say that to him. But like, and you go and you cry out to God. Because he said, he who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? All right. Let's respond to this.